The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under Networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast, and this one's a celebratory one. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, B-Ball Index, and various other enterprises, Preston Ellis. And tonight, we are not going to stop gushing about Drew Holiday, each one more, as they lit the Raptors on fire tonight on both ends with 59 points, all while keeping Kyle Lowry from getting a bucket until the 340 mark in the fourth quarter. They won 126 to 110. AD played like an MVP. Julius Randle was great, and the Pelicans give the Raptors their first home loss of the season and second of the year they dropped a 12. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. The Pelicans are 7-6. and six. Ali, this is the win we thought we got on opening night against the Rockets, isn't it? Yeah, this is that team that kind of uh, took the world by storm that we've been waiting to see since really that first week. Well, maybe the first two games, really, because they did kind of drop off in the other two, but... Yeah, Preston, I don't know what to say. This Toronto Raptors team, I I legitimately gave them, you know, I hate to say it, close to 0% chance of winning tonight, especially when you heard about Elford being out, Nicola being out. And you know what? They haven't been playing their best ball. Despite winning these last two games, we saw plenty of mistakes. I mean, sitting there with David up in the press row, we talked about it consistently that these guys didn't resemble that, that team we saw in the first week. But you know what? It's amazing how they can flip a switch or have this extra gear and they've waited until now to show it. Uh, and I just noticed this, guys. The Pelicans won every single quarter tonight against the Raptors, the best team in the league through the first month of the season. That says a ton. That's Ali Cosell. He's the editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. Follow him at Ali Cosell. Grub, uh, you're kind of our effort doctor uh, here <laughs> on the Bird Calls podcast. And what did you – obviously, you had a tweet out saying that you – or maybe I just heard you saying this uh, before we started the pod. The defense started. It was crisp from the from the opening tip, and it just kind of continued throughout all four quarters. That was the the best thing about this whole performance was the consistency of the defense. They kept Toronto from getting to the spots that they wanted to um, offensively. They made ball, they, you know, they denied the ball to to players, and and they closed out on passes. I mean, they just frustrated every passer, whether it was Van Vliet or whether it was Kyle Lowry or whether it was Kawhi Leonard trying to create space for other people. They just weren't a lot of options. And then when they were get, able to get the ball inside, there were two Pelicans coming and closing out well. Um, and that's something that we hadn't always seen. We'd seen some closeouts, either they were they were too hard or they jumped too early and people were able to get shots. And tonight they were extremely disciplined in their defense and in the effort just in, in staying with their men, even when they weren't rebounding the ball particularly well in the first half, they stayed with it and there wasn't this kind of uh, freelancing that you have seen at times from the Pelicans defensively where guys didn't stick with their assignments, rolled off too fast, ran out to a shooter that they weren't responsible for. Tonight, every quarter was generally a solid defensive effort. And when it wasn't, it was usually because the offense had made a mistake. 
Uh, that's David Grubb of Crescent City Sports, and we've got a fun announcement about him a little bit later in the podcast. Kevin, I'm going to let you address the backcourt. 59 combined points from Drew Holiday and Etwan Moore. And as I said, Drew Holiday kept Kyle Lowry from getting his first bucket until the 340 mark. And I'm going to I'm gonna give, uh, you know what, I'm going to go straight to our questions uh, before we talk a little bit more about the game. This one's from Tom Hickson. Drew Holiday, uh, I think, held... Zach Levine and Devin Booker to 13 of 38 from the field. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Kyle Lowry started out 0-7, and he finished the night 1 of 9. Is Drew Holiday a top 15 player right now, Kevin? He's playing like it for sure. I mean, he's been our best player so far this season consistently. You know, um, he started off a little bit slow scoring-wise to start the year, but it wasn't like he was struggling. It was more like he was deferring um, and just taking what was given. Now uh aggressive mode and uh you know it's just been incredible and yeah you can't say enough about him but enough about the way Etwan played today tonight also he was great and to piggyback off what Grubb was just saying I mean even the bench didn't falter defensively you know they you know guys like Czech who sometimes overrun things or react too fast I mean he, he had little lapses here and there but I mean they held it down you know everybody was very disciplined and it was the best team performance we've seen so far this year for sure the worst plus minus on the night was Ian Clark in 21 minutes with a negative one. That's how good the Pelicans were from top to bottom tonight. Ali, uh, I want to expand on each one more because the Pelicans, when they've been successful, there's been somebody who's come out hot in the first quarter. Typically, it's been Nikola Meritich this season, sometimes Julius Randle. Tonight, it was Etwan Moore. I think he had 17 points in the first quarter, or maybe it was in the first half, but he had 30 points tonight, his biggest night of the season thus far, plus 21 on the night. He was unstoppable, 13 of 18 from the field, 3 of 5. That three-point shot that's got him somewhere around 50% on the year, it was 47% heading into tonight. Those guys are biting on the pump fake every single time as they approach him, and he's taking advantage of it, getting into the paint, getting those easy runners that he's so fluid at. Ali, talk about Etwan Moore's performance tonight. He absolutely set the tone. You know, Anthony Davis started the game off with that tough jumper fadeaway. But after that, I felt like the scoring and just the game in general almost became like um This is the not-for-sale Kia Forte Drift car. Hold on a Oh my god! Sorry about that, guy. <laughs> that was a nice cameo. Open with the and all of a sudden the video starts playing. But uh, each one, yeah, like I'm saying, set the tone, and uh, and I felt like then suddenly that rubbed off on Drew Holiday and the rest of the guys. Um, somehow, some way, each one was able to get into the into the paint exclusively in that first quarter. Uh, he wasn't selling for jumpers. I think he took maybe one or two threes that entire first quarter, but everything else came inside the paint. And, you know, the, the, the Raptors are a vaunted defense where they've got serious length, serious athleticism, and they give all sorts of problems to everybody else in the league so far. And I've caught a few of their games. So for each one to be able to do that at his size and just get off all these shots, knock everything down, um, it's a testament to him. He just doesn't get talked enough about, even by us. And I know that Kevin and you, Preston, talk about him quite a bit. And there's a few others that are always tooting his horn, but – I think, honestly, we've got to raise our game even that much more because tonight I feel like without each one more, the Pelicans don't win this game. You need to always have somebody set the tone early in uh, these close matchups against really good teams, and each one did that. And then to start the third quarter, he kind of vanished, but it wasn't through his fault. He just wasn't getting any shots. But once he got it going again, wow. Then he suddenly poured in another 13 points. So impressive performance, Preston. Uh, I forgot to mention the question about Drew Holiday being a top 15 player. That was from Tom Hickson, and that answer was given to you by Kevin Barrios. You can follow him at Kevin B for Bounce of thebirdrights.com. I've got the numbers thanks to Will Guillory. 15 points per game, two rebounds, 2.3 assists per game, 56% from the field, 49% from three-point range on the season. That's Etwan Moore. Uh, I'm going to go over to Grubb. Uh, I want you to address one of these two players. Of course, Drew Holiday. We can't say enough about him. 29 points, 14 assists on the night. But but I kind of want to go to another ho-hum player who very – could there be a quieter 17.12 rebound performance and with four assists than the one we got from Julius Randle tonight, Grub? I think that's the the effectiveness of Julius is that you don't have to, you know, run plays for him. You don't have to – his game doesn't require um, a lot of setup. And he can be effective whether he's getting the ball directly or in his hands or if he's getting it indirectly off of rebounds or second chances – or, um, you know, or just being the guy who's there for a dump off. And his consistency has been vital. You know, obviously with, with Nico being out uh, and he was averaging a double-double, 
before he's missed these last two games, 20 and 10 every night, you, you know, somebody has to step up and you put Julius into the starting lineup. Not only has he played outstanding basketball these last two games, he's playing heavy minutes, which is something that we were worried about at the beginning of the season, considering the, the plantar fasciitis that he's dealing with. And he hasn't complained a bit and his effort hasn't dipped uh, in the slightest. You can see he's not, doesn't have the greatest lift um, on a night to night basis, but he's there and his effort and just his ability to be that rock um, near the paint, to not be afraid to give the hard foul when it's necessary. Um, you know, they need that guy to be an enforcer and that's what he was brought in to do. And he does his work. I mean, Julius, you know, it's, it's, that's the thing that's been frustrating about being seven and six is that there are guys who have been consistent every night, but it's the inconsistency of those, that, that small group of players that is, has been so frustrating. Um, but Julius has not been one of those guys. He's been consistent from opening tip um, of the first game. And, and, you know, he's, he's an, it's, you could talk about how many of these guys are unsung right now. And Julius is, is certainly another guy who in the league is not going to get talked about a lot because of there's so much drama. Um, and he's just being effective every night. All right, we've got a lot of questions, so I'm going to go ahead and get starting and just let the conversation kind of start free-flowing. Kevin, this one's from Clint White. I know there's going to be a lot of questions. Uh, Obviously, there are five men in the starting rotation. There aren't just four, and the fifth guy tonight, again, was Wes Johnson. He had the lowest plus-minus of the group at at plus four in just 21 minutes. He picked up four quick fouls, but he was solid. Uh, He's a confident player. He takes that shot when it's available to him. He had that nice dribble uh, drop step on the three-point line, taking those good looks. Sometimes they were going in, sometimes they weren't. I think he finished two for six on the night. Here it is. One of four from three-point range. But he just, that position just needs to offer the threat, the scoring semblance of of something that facilitates the defense to at least recognize that there is a fifth member of the Pelicans team on the floor at all times. That's not something they were necessarily getting with Solomon Hill in the lineup and with Alfred Payton out of the lineup. Talk about what you've seen from Wes Johnson. And directly, here's a question from Clint White. Do you think he stays in the starting lineup once Alfred Payton returns, or is this going to be a matchup scenario going forward where you keep each one more in that position? You know, it's a tough question. You know, I, I like Wes Johnson playing there. Obviously, I'm a huge Etwan Moore fan, so like I like Etwan on the court. But I think having Wes Johnson there um, allows for Drew to play against the best smaller guard and you still have somebody adequate to play against, you know, the, the wing, which we never really had. Um, and I just think, you know, the question becomes maybe also does Peyton return to the starting lineup with Drew being so confident on the ball and so capable lately? Um, you know, could you see um, Peyton come off the bench and have more play, more of that two role uh, to start with? That could be something that could change. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's really a wrong answer here because we have so many good players. You know, I mean, Wesley Johnson's not an amazing player, but he's an NBA player. And he will fill that role and provide something and allow sort of like trickle down defense and defensive improvement. You know, like I don't think trickle down economics works, but trickle down defensive rotations and assignments help because you have guys that can guard uh, positions. They're more suited to guard. Etwan doesn't have to worry about that bigger cover. Uh, Drew can stay on the smaller guy, uh, you know, and that improves defense across the board. And Wesley Johnson's not, you know, a negative defender and he also can hit the open shot and also does the other little small things. He's a little bit of a hustle guy. He's a, he can get rebounds. He blocks shots. Sometimes he can hit the open three. He can cut, um, you know, so he earned minutes. Um, and then also, of course, even if Moore goes to the bench or Peyton goes to the bench, they're still going to get the same amount of minutes because, you know, it's just how they get staggered and who they play with. So I don't necessarily think there's a wrong answer. And so I don't, care what gentry does so much uh when that happens because i think we're in a good situation we're gonna have at least two very serviceable guys coming off the bench no matter what the decision is um so i i I like it and i wouldn't worry about that too much i mean obviously what we saw from Alfred payton in the first four games was incredible so i don't know about sending him to the bench but i do like more being able to play uh the three a lot i mean the two a lot more than three so there's that um I don't know. I guess I didn't really answer the question, but I just think there's really no wrong answer. And if it is matchup based, then that's also fine with me. I mean, you know, I kind of like when we dictate our style to the other team. I like that aggressiveness coaching wise, but I wouldn't argue with that if like a team, you know, if you're sticking with their original lineup, but then there's a matchup, say with Golden State or 
you know, like tonight against Toronto where you got a premier small forward with some size and you want to start out with Wesley at the three, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So um, whatever. Yeah, there's no need to apologize. It's a difficult question to answer, and that's why I'm going to continue this uh, round, Robin. We're going to go over to Ali. The Raptors are the fourth best offensive-rated team in the NBA, and the Pelicans held them to somewhere around 40% shooting from the field. Midway through the fourth, it was somewhere around 35%. I'm doing this from memory, so apologize for the numbers. But that's what Wes Johnson does. When he takes over those minutes, he allows uh, Drew Holiday to go to his more normal position, locking down those uh, backcourt scorers like the guys we just mentioned, Zach Levine, Devin Booker and Kyle Lowry, uh, to name just a few. And that's what Wes Johnson does for you. Not to say that Alfred Payton couldn't also, too, limit those guys, but it's just Drew Holiday's game, and Wes Johnson facilitates that. So, Ali, what what is your premonition of what the Pelicans are going to do going forward once all these guys are healthy? Oh, man, like Kevin said, it's a tough choice, and it's probably not a wrong answer on paper until you finally get to see these guys play. But I think I will stay with Wesley Johnson. I think what I love seeing out there is um, Wesley can pick up and be the primary defender on one of the main scores for or, or for the opponents, and that is either locking up Kawhi Leonard like we saw tonight, um, or in previous games I saw him take his turns with uh, both Devin Booker and um, Zach Levine. So it gives Drew Holiday a breather. It also gives him an opportunity to have and the Pelicans have more length that the guy's got good instincts. That's all there is to it. He's, he's athletic. He's quick. He's got great reach. He knows this league. He's been around forever and has played on some very good teams. So I just like everything he brings to the table. And I feel like right now it's more important to have his defense than it is, say, each one's offense. Um, again, it hurts me to say this because we just saw one of the best performances I've ever seen out of a non-star by a Pelicans player in the last 10 years. And uh, each one, I mean, deserves applause up and down. So it's hard to talk about him being moved to the reserve reserve role, but I think that's what honestly Alvin Gentry should do. I think it's important for this team to set that defensive identity, which we haven't seen. That's a reason why they're ranked in the bottom third of the league in defensive rating. So I think that's where you got to start. If you're trying to improve this team and how best to have them move up the ladder, it's on that side of the ball. So Wesley Johnson, I guess you get to start the three. Grub, we've seen a couple of guys come to the Pelicans who've given them a, a nice jolt um, for a few weeks. Guys like Emeka Okafor, Jordan Crawford, Quinn Cook, Tim Frazier, Luke Babbitt, uh, Norris Cole, that sort of thing. Uh, that's what I'm doing off the top of my head. But a lot of those guys couldn't sustain long term with the Pelicans. Do you think Wesley Johnson can do this for, I don't know what it is, uh, the remaining like 65 games this season? Is he somebody who can do this for the remainder of the year at, I want to say, the age of 31? Well, I mean, you know, the expectations for Wesley are not that he has to come in and save anything. It's just be dependable. Like, you know, if they, you know, that was the thing for Mecca Okafor. It wasn't like he was pulling down a double-double every night, but you knew what you were going to get for those 15 to 20 minutes that he was on the floor. And that's what Wesley is right now. With Solomon Hill, there were just those, you know, either it was a flat line or um, there would be every once in a while, you know, a crescendo. But for Wesley, it's been basically since he inserted himself into since he was inserted into the starting lineup, you've seen the defense become so much better because it stabilized the perimeter. And I think he can continue to do that. You don't defense is about intellect and effort. And you don't forget those things. Now, if you're asking him to come out and score double figures every night, then no, he's probably gonna disappoint you. But on the, he's the, like, like they said, the biggest thing is that he's shooting the ball with confidence. And if people believe you're going to take the shot when it comes to you, they have to respect you. They have to defend you. And that creates space for Etuan to maneuver without the basketball. That creates space for AD to work. It creates space for Julius to, to get into the post. It creates space for Drew to drive to the basket. And that's what they need out of that small forward position. And I don't see Wes Johnson losing his confidence in his shot. You saw a couple tonight that you probably like, that, those were overconfident shots. But at least he was out there taking them. And, and, and I think that's what they've been missing from their other small forwards uh, for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, definitely a dominant performance by the Pelicans tonight. Uh, just one statistic to look at. The Toronto Raptors allow 45 points in the paint. The Pelicans truly played their game tonight. They had 72 on the night. They dominated in, in pretty much every facet, 30 assists to just 22. They out-rebounded the Raptors by 11. That was a concern we had with Ibaka and Siakam in the in the starting lineup. Um, just 
three-pointers, 37%, uh, 55% from the field overall. The Raptors at 40%. I don't know what else there is to add to this, Kevin, other than the Pelicans truly played the best basketball that we've seen from them all season long, and they're not even relatively at full health. Alfred Payton and Nikola Meritich, two starters uh, who should come back at some point this week. They're both... uh, uh, kept being kept out by ankles right now, but the rumor has been that they could be activated at any time. Can the Pelicans get better with these two guys back in the lineup, Kevin? Obviously, this is the best performance we've seen thus far without the two of them. What are the Pelicans going to be like when they're back? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you add better players to the mix. You don't have to rely so much on Ian Clark, who, you know, he's serviceable, but he, he doesn't ever wow me. Um, and I, he's my biggest concern on the bench, I think. Um, and, but I wish Darius would also learn a little bit from Etwan Moore with his pump fakes and driving off the, and trying to get to the middle, try to get a little bit of a floater game or a mid range game, because he could be a lot more effective and we could see more like, you know, double digit 10, 12 point games consistently from him coming off the bench, which would help, but bringing Nico back who we've seen how amazing he's been, uh, to start the year. And even when his shots off what he contributes with cutting uh rebounding and he's a very you know he's a much more versatile defender than i think most people thought especially i thought when he came over like i was very happy we got him but he surprised me on the defensive end um so that's also gonna help you don't have to rely on uh, other guys that you know like darius could get less minutes now especially with west johnson providing that uh defensive spark and then you have the shooting uh the shooting from um Miritich back, and then you have Peyton back creating plays and defending. You know, all both getting those two guys back help offensively a lot, but they also help tremendously on the defensive end. Um, so, and rebounding. I mean, Alfred Peyton's a very good rebounder. And uh, to piggyback on, well, to comment on something that you just said, it's amazing that the Pelicans sort of out rebounded uh, the Raptors, considering they didn't really box out much. You know, like they they did that without even boxing out that that well tonight. It's just um athleticism and and effort uh grabbing loose balls and and just eyeing it up but not really using your body um so if they really start to commit to boxing out then you know it's gonna be trouble for opponents and i think that's something that miritich helps with because he does box out pretty well ad sometimes doesn't and check he doesn't know what a box out is but checks uh effort tonight you know he's he's had that good energy check season so far you know, he had a very rough summer league, very rough preseason, but he's that positive energy that he's bringing uh, off the bench is reminiscent of what we saw last season. Where we all fell in love with him when he was blocking shots and just running the floor. Um, so that's great to see. So, I mean, I think, you know, while they may not replicate the sort of performance they had tonight, I think overall this team is going to, you know, really, really be a lot more consistent. I mean, we obviously, we didn't even see like a, dominant game from Anthony Davis. He kind of had a quiet game uh, because he was getting outshined by Holiday and Etwan Moore. Um, so when you bring all of these players back, as long as there's no ego issues, uh, which I don't think there will be, you know, sky's the limit, really. I mean, we saw what happened the first four games before injuries derailed things, and now we're starting to bounce back, and we're going to get those other guys back. And, you know, it's going to be very exciting. We're going to get to go to Minnesota and take on a team that's trying to integrate new parts next. And, you know, that's a great, you know, way to take advantage of of that team there as well. Yeah, 25 points, 20 rebounds, six assists, and a game where Anthony Davis, like you said, was largely quiet. He had 20 shots on the night, but uh, he was kind of reduced to an elite rim runner with how productive Drew Holiday and Etwan Moore were on the night, and Julius Randle was the guy crashing uh, to the glass. And and to expand on Julius Randle, Ollie, this is a bit of an interesting situation because we saw Randle was limited early in the year due to that plantar fasciitis, and he was playing somewhere around 25 minutes per game. He played 35 minutes per game. Nikola Meritich is going to come back at some point. Uh, he's playing really well and the guys do two things uh, very differently but it helps it, it helps space the Pelicans offense Nikola Meritich with his deep game and Julius Randle when the offense seemingly isn't working he just takes the ball to the basket and it usually works for him how does Aunt Alvin Gentry going forward uh, decide between the two of these guys not just in the starting lineup but how does he break up their minutes well it's a good problem to have huh I mean I I've always been an advocate to see Julius Randle in the starting lineup for a lot of the reasons that we've seen in these last two games. I feel like you need to have a bulldog. 
in the uh, inside the paint on both ends of the floor, whether it's grabbing a rebound or just trying to just shove your mass in front of an, an opponent, something that Anthony Davis just doesn't do, and he doesn't need to. Let's face it, he can get away with using his frame and his athleticism, and he doesn't need to be bumping up against guys and risking further injury. Uh, so you kind of, I, I kind of like seeing that guy out there with AD, especially against the starters. So it's a man. I, I don't know how to answer because it's just two very different players. And, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's two. And, uh, That's two. I know, man. I keep, anytime I change and look at some other box score, then I go back. It resets the stupid thing. So, anyways. I think one reason that we were able to get away with Julius Randle and the starters performing so well tonight is because Drew provided that perimeter shooting early uh, with each one more. And so you need to have a couple of guys out there. If it's just each one more out there, that's going to provide that spacing. I don't think that the Pelicans are going to win long-term like that. So I think the right answer is you stick with Nikola Mirotic because he does possess enough versatility. He can take care of the uh, rebounding on the glass on both ends of the floor. So but I, I just like the way it seems like this team just moves and functions better and quicker uh, with Randall out there. So, again, Preston, I mean, there, there's no right answer here. Alvin Gentry's got a good, you know, good op, good option going with either way. But, you know, I think you probably should stick with Nikola Meritich because in the long term, it's proven successful. As we saw last year, he provides that perimeter shooting. And, you know, what? Randall's gotten used to that off the bench kind of role. So, you know, I guess just keep rolling with that. Yeah, it almost doesn't matter at this point uh, with the Pelicans playing defense the way that they did tonight. We we can talk all night about how how good they were offensively. Everybody just had a great night. They broke down the defense and everything seemingly worked. But if they continue playing defense the way that they did tonight, that's what's going to take them to the next level. Uh, Grub, why don't we continue with that line of thought and just quickly get your thought on what do you think Gentry's move is going to be with those two big men? Well, I think he's going to keep the rotation, you know, unless there's something you know, wrong with Nico that requires him to come off the bench. I think he's going to go back to his original rotation because it was working. Uh, you know, I think Alfred is the one that's the most likely to face possibly moving to the bench upon his return. But Nico, and I think Ali's right, having that flexibility of having a guy who can both space the floor with his shooting and um, score in the post. Um, we've seen him, you know, we've seen Nico score off movement. We've seen Nico score um, in the, on the block. Uh, and we've seen him rebound on both ends and be effective at doing that. I don't take that out of your starting lineup, um, especially if you don't have a a, a real um, consistent shooter at the three. If, if even with Wes out there, you know that's a threat of a shot. But Nico is a shot. You know, all the time he's going to take him. And we know that Etwan at times, depending on matchups, can have difficulty getting his shot off. So you know, to have Nico out there, I think is the most beneficial thing. And then especially when you bring Randall um, in with that second unit, again, he's not a guy you have to run plays for. So when he gets the ball in the second unit, he can either drive to the basket immediately, but he can get just as many points and be just as effective when the other guys are getting their shots. When Darius Miller's putting up a shot, Randall can be there to get those offensive boards and score and get to the foul line against lesser um, players on those second units. He's so effective in drawing contact that I really like the fact that he does come in with that second unit and he's still going to get starter minutes anywhere. So starting isn't as important as who's finishing and who's getting the bulk of the minutes and they'll all get their fair share of minutes. All right. Hey, Kevin. That's a better question. Let's talk about who finishes, you know, because we can talk about starters at length, but it doesn't really matter as much as who finishes, huh? Kevin well, or Preston, you guys want to take that? Well, yeah, I, I, out of the two with Alfred. I think yeah. that just game by game basis, you know, you feel out who's having the better game and, and what you need. If you need scoring, you need playmaking or you need defending and then you roll that way. I don't think there necessarily has to be a set finishing five just as much as I don't think there has to be a, a set starting five. You know, um, I mean, that's my take on it. I don't know if Preston, you feel differently. Yeah, I think matchup based. Uh, we've seen him pull Nikola Meritich out of the the closing five in many instances and insert Julius Randle or go small in that instance if they need offense. But I do think it is a critical decision uh, in the first quarter just because you see how the Pelicans play with a bit more swagger when they come out with an early lead and you see them just play their game, race out to, you know, to these 30 to 30. I think they scored 30 points in every quarter except for the second quarter where they led 28 to 7. But this, this jolt of momentum that gets them out of the gate, usually it carries through through the end of the game we don't see them forfeit these great leads all too often at least in an early sample size uh they're just seven and seven sitting here uh early on in the regular season but i i do like 
the scoring penchant because it does feel like the guys thrive off that. So whoever you think that is, if you think Julius Randle gives you that, we've seen him score, you know, 10 points in his first eight minutes in several instances. We've seen Nikola Miritich with 15 points in the first quarter. Whoever's going to add that offensive firepower from the opening tip, I think that's the guy that you have to go with, whichever guy you think is going to do that on a consistent basis. Yeah, that's cool. But all right, let's talk about Alfred now, because I did pick up on David saying that he thinks or he wouldn't mind seeing Alfred be the one that or he sees him being the one that loses out on that starting role when once once everybody's healthy. I'm of the opinion that Alfred should continue to start because we all want to see Drew Holiday kind of stay off the ball and kind of lessen his load overall. And then Wesley get minutes at the three if it's still working. What what about you guys? How do you see uh, it all, you know, kind of resolving itself the situation once and knock on wood everybody's healthy who would you like to see among those three starting let's do grub first well you know i think each one is best suited coming off the bench um you know so i i would i would probably you know have my preference would be to have each one as as a sixth man because then you generally then you really have two guys on your bench who are capable of scoring 20 plus in Etwan and Randall, which is a really exciting thing to have in your on your second unit, um, it it really depends on the, the the mindset of Alfred Payton, and I think I do worry about the the the, the fragile nature of his mind. Maybe um, not that he's a weak person, but that he's just starting to get his confidence with the way he was playing at the beginning of the season, and he may not take to a reserve role very well at this point. Um, you may need him out there in the beginning to get him going. And Etwan has shown that he doesn't really need a push to get going, like being a starter. I think he could come off the bench and do his thing regardless. Um, so I guess I would prefer to see Etwan coming off the bench. But again, it's about the minutes and it's about closing. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, Etwan would will see a lot of end of game situations. I'm going to jump in here. I, I think I like Alfred Payton coming off the bench, and I've made that clear uh, since the offseason, just because I, I like him managing the offense. I like him having the ball in his hands, and I think Etwan Moore does something for the Pelicans starting five that Alfred Payton cannot do. Obviously, Alfred Payton sets those guys up, but Etwan Moore spaces the floor for them. He gives Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis the room they need to get into the paint, to get those easy buckets. Obviously, uh, Alfred Payton does a great job at facilitating for them, setting up those easy baskets, but Etwan more at the three-point line whenever the offense breaks down and they're struggling to shoot you know that you can kick it out to him he can draw attention everybody's going to bite on that pump he's going to draw into the floor and he's going to find either Julius Randle or Anthony Davis now that's something that he might not necessarily be able to do to his strongest suits on the bench you're not going to have some you're going to have the defense keying on him just a little bit more because they don't have the threat of let's say an Anthony Davis uh, under the rim you're obviously going to have somebody helping him and either Julius Randle or Nikola Meritage but each one more needs that space. He needs the other offensive players to draw attention so that he can do what he does best. He'll still be a good player off the bench, but I just think Alfred Payton is better suited to play with the bench and to lead the unit because that's what he does. He sets up the offense and he facilitates. Um, I, I kind of agree with both of you a little bit, but I think I agree more with Grubb just because I think that you have a, uh, Elf, you know, what, what he said about Alfred is very true. You know, he's the guy who's struggled throughout his early part of his career and has been in bad situations. So to give him, you know, a demotion in a way might set him back confidence wise when we saw how great he was playing. And then, you know, don't discount how great his uh, penetrating ability was and how much um, he was able to create off of that and also score by getting to the bucket. Um, so that was a big thing. And then if you take and you have to remember, but I understand what you're saying about the spacing that Etwan provides, but you have to remember that Miritich will be in the lineup as well. And then Wes Johnson is also, you know, a confident shooter, as we also discussed already. So it's not like, you know, they have scrubs out there that their defense doesn't have to worry about. Like, you know, you're not putting Solomon Hill out there where somebody can play, you know, 10 feet off of him and beg him to shoot the three. Um, so I get that. But I also really like the idea of Randall being flanked by Etwan and Darius, you know, having him with two shooters around him that he can kick out to or, you know, or just feast on their misses, you know, get get putbacks, uh, work around the basket, um, those sort of things. I think that works. But also, you know, we're talking about this like it's going to be, 
you know, five, five players subbed out, five players subbed in, which it's not going to be really. I mean, I know you guys don't think that way. It just sounds like it the way we're talking about it. So all of these guys are going to be intermingled and intertwined and playing with each other. So it's that's why I think it doesn't really matter because we have about, you know, eight to nine guys that I think now are very confident and or competent enough. You know, I mean, I still have my doubts about Darius. He's playing okay, but I, I would still like to see a lot more of him. I think he's the weakest of the guys that gets the biggest amount of minutes at the moment. And I and I don't really trust Ian Clark to have staying power much. I really wish we could replace him with like a little bit better of a ball handler uh, on the second unit. Um, but other than that, you know, having these guys that are interchangeable parts is is great. So it, it there's really, like I said in the previously, there's no wrong answer, but I do like the idea of having Randall flanked with two shooters. It's a lot like, you know, how those two thrived off of having uh, Boogie down low and uh, his playmaking ability. Um, so I, I think that could be a good formula for success. And you look at, you know, you could, I feel like you could sell it to Etwan better than you could sell it to Alfred. You'd be like, look, you are the Lou Williams of this team. And, you know, there's nothing, you know, Lou Williams is a great player and he has that bench role and he's a dominant player and he'll come in and score 20 to 30 points a night for the Clippers. And that's the kind of play we could get out of Etwan, especially, you know, tell him, look, you don't have to bang with bigger players. You you're able to guard guys your size. You're going to have guys your your size guarding you. Um, so I just think it will make life easier for him. And, uh, you know, he'll you'll see more nights like tonight um, with him being that secondary, that, that second unit score. Uh, just to How wrap great up is this it debate. That we're talking about a win and we're t- I, I'm sorry, Preston, I just have to say this. We're talking about a win, talking about a Pelicans team that really came back and showed us something that we haven't seen since the first week. When the dominant news over the last 48 hours was Jimmy Butler. I mean, had they lost to the Raptors, have we, would we have talked about Jimmy Butler more than at least half this program? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think we were all like, against the, the Jimmy Butler trade. In the offseason, I thought Etwan Moore and Nikola Meritich made sense. But uh, like Grubb will tell you in a second, uh, just what those guys do, taking them off the floor and sending them uh, you know, to Minnesota while you bring in Jimmy Butler, that takes away two, you know, key rotation pieces that the Pelicans then wouldn't have right Grub? yeah I don't I don't think the answer would have been taking having less depth and adding a guy who holds the ball you know you're basically trying to add what I would consider now to be a lesser version of Drew Holiday um you know they're both 29 years old they're both you know reputations have been built on defense and being able to you know um score as well but Butler is a guy who's not a great shooter from the perimeter. Um, and we've talked about his injury history before. And now you add in what is per- the way that he handled himself in Minnesota, and you would add that to this locker room. Man, I, I, I just I, I see that as being just something that would have been a colossal failure. It, 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 you would have given up assets for a guy that wouldn't have stayed beyond this season because I don't think there would have been a, a decent enough playoff run to entice him to stay. And then you'd have been overpaying for a guy who's on the wrong side um, uh, of his career. Uh, he's not in the shape that Drew Holiday's in, in the physically to be able to go out there and play the kinds of minutes on both ends and be a dominant player anymore, I don't think. I think Jimmy Butler is a very good player, but he's not the kind of player that I would give up You know what, they, what the Minnesota was asking for from the Pelicans. No. No, wouldn't have made sense. All right, let's go ahead and uh, move on. Just to wrap that up, we do anticipate that the starting lineup is going to stay Alfred Payton, Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, Nikola Meritich, and AD, right? Yeah, I think he'll probably roll that back out, you know, Mm -hmm. see how it goes. All right, uh, let's go over to Kevin because I think he hasn't talked in a second. Uh, obviously, this this was a, a great victory. Hey, I haven't uh, talked I've been asking the questions, but that's all right. <laughs> all right, let's throw this over to Ali because I actually do have two kidding. special questions no, just I'm for gonna... Kevin. No, you spoke up. It's too late now. Uh, this is from Mon Christian. <laughs> obviously, this is a big victory, but the Pelicans start out 4-0, then they went 0-6, and now they're 3-0. How do you feel about the Pelicans' season so far after everything that's uh, transpired? Well, if I'm allowed to pick a point along that little roller coaster, then there you've got the answer. Happy, sad, and happy again. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think that um, everybody should know and understand by now that a lot of everything we've seen is really dependent on the Pelicans' health. Uh, they start off the season, of course, finally coming out of a preseason with everybody ready, everybody healthy. There was no kind of 
you know, any rehabs, anybody dealing with family issues, any kind of crises like that. So they, and of course they got off to a great start, but then of course we lose our starting point guard and then Anthony Davis suffered an injury and all of a sudden, you know, everybody else seemingly is dealing something. Julius Randle with his uh, plantar fasciitis and then everybody starts twisting ankles. So it was just troubling, but then again, you've got to realize the, the record. You've got to realize that you're suddenly going on the road against the toughest teams really out there. And so getting a win, just even getting one win, is, is a tough ask. Um, so you had to kind of take it with a grain of salt, but it's hard to. You know, guys, when you see six straight losses, five straight losses, you kind of see players slumping their shoulders a little bit in the games. You know, it, it, it's just invariable that you start to lose a little bit of hope or – or, you know, you come down to that wave or that high of what you thought this Pelicans team might be. But again, it, seemingly they've kind of corrected track and, you know, they had two easy wins. Granted, they didn't play their best ball, like I've already mentioned, against the Bulls and the Suns. But this one against the Raptors, wow, it should just again have everybody exploding with euphoria simply because we are missing two very key pieces. And the Pelicans defense has not been great. And everybody has been asked to play out of position at times. So for them to be able to go up to Toronto and just really, I thought they manhandled Toronto. Outside of the first six minutes where Toronto was really dominating the Pelicans on the offensive glass, uh, they were the ones out in the fast break. And of course, pushing the issue off of turnovers. Outside of that, the Pelicans then really dominated with their style of play where they really cleaned it up. I know that we had a couple of those troubled uh, turnover stretches in the second half, but again, you know, hats off to these guys to be able to bounce back after uh, both timeouts where they went on runs of their own. And, you know, it never got closer within, I think, six points. Right. So, you know, I can't say enough about it. And that that's why I think it should be the lasting impression. You should really take what you saw tonight because the Pelicans have not been playing up the bar. And there were reasons for it, as, as I've just mentioned. So as a whole, you should still be thinking that this is a playoff team you're watching and that there's a good chance that they can be more depending on how every you know how everything comes together how the rotations come together can the players stay healthy what other moves Dale Demps can make cuz i think we're on agreement here but instead of a small forward like the fan base has been clamoring for years how about getting a decent backup point guard cuz anytime we have to give Tim Frazier the responsibility or Ian Clark you know things kind of fall apart and Drew Holiday hasn't been honestly the best ball distributor until these last few games as I was talking with David Grubb before we started the podcast. So I think that's the biggest key. They still got a few holes to fill up. And once they do, wow, we can play with anybody. Yeah, definitely. I'm in 100% agreement. Uh, Ish Smith, Mios Teodosic, Pat Beverly, Thomas Sadoransky, a couple of names that come to mind that could be available. Kevin, I've got a, a special request question to you, and then I've got some rotation questions for Grubb. Uh, this one is from Tejeda. He said, not sure if you saw West pump fake uh, last game, but who has the more confident pump fake, Wes or Luke Babbitt? Uh, nobody has a more confident pump fake than Luke Babbitt. Not even Markel Fultz at the free throw line. Like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's give you a follow up. That one was short and sweet. Uh, Finn uh, says, "What's the ceiling this season?" And also, more specifically to Kevin, what's your opinion of the bench so far? I know that we've done this. Um, uh, we we've covered this pretty well, but what what is your overall perspective on guys like Darius Miller, Tim Tim Frazier, and Ian Clark's performances? Well, I think we need to find a way to replace minutes to Ian Clark and. Um... And Tim Frazier, that's the the main thing. Like we just talked about, another ball handler, another – it doesn't have to be a pure point guard, but a better combo guard um, would help. Um, and maybe a guy who has size like Sadoransky or Tyrone Wallace, uh, you know, who could play multiple positions for you. Um, that would be, you know, a great kind of fit. Or even, even a guy like Jonathan Simmons who could handle the ball a little bit would improve, you know, on that wing and give you some more size and defensive effort on the um, – on the second unit. But I mean, the bench, when, when you talk about, you know, I, I want to take this moment because we already talked about the bench a, a lot, but I want to take this moment to talk a little bit about Julius Randall, because, you know, after the first couple of games, when he started to deal with that plantar fascia, I saw a lot of fans turn on him really quickly. And I thought it was, uh, it, you know, it was unfair because as somebody who's had plantar fascia before, and all I do is bartend, like it was, a nightmare. It hurts so bad. Your mind is totally focused on just the pain you're feeling constantly. So I can't imagine 
like trying to run up and down a court and jump and play basketball with that kind of injury. And so he had like a little bit of a rough stretch and we saw him sort of revert to like the bad boogie ball. And I saw people talk about trading him or like criticizing him. But the whole time I was thinking this guy has plantar fash and it's that is so tough to deal with. And I can't even fathom how he's out there on the court right now. Um, and now we see he's off the injury report. So I have to assume it's it's healed. And in the last few games, he's looked like a totally different player and he's given you what what you thought. So having that kind of talent on the bench is just unbelievable. And then now we're talking about maybe having Wes Johnson start and Etwan come off the bench. You pair those two on the bench. That's that's a solid top seven rotation right there. And if you could just get that one more piece and just have eight really good players, um, you know, I think the league will be very scared of us. I mean, I think they're scared of us already, but they'll be really be a force to reckon with because we won't have many holes. And I think that like we've all agreed upon multiple times in DMs and on this pod already, um, you know, just getting another guy who's competent and handling the ball and be able to create a little bit for others um, would just really unlock that second unit. All right, Grubb, you were talking earlier about defensive effort and all the difference it's made. This is from Tejeda. He said the defense and the defensive rotations the past two games have been really good. Who or what would you give credit to for the improvement? Well, I I think the first of all, you give some credit to the the fact that they were able to to the opponents that they were able to play, because I think that, you know, it, it helped to have the Bulls, you know, and the Suns come in. Um and be able to, to see some success and a lot of defense. Again, to me, defense is about, you know, again, knowing your assignments and having that effort consistently through over the course of the game. And when you're starting to see success, it's easy to maintain effort when you're playing in desperation. And the Pelicans were doing that consistently during the road trip was that they were playing desperately on defense. You do get into bad habits. So when you start to get that lockdown um, mentality that they had during the second half of last season, when guys weren't, you know, doing getting into those bad positions, you start seeing what they what you saw tonight. And um, I think ultimately, you know, again, we talk about a defensive unit that your your core group from last year was completely different than it is when you started this season. Although we knew it was going to take time. And, and it's not over yet. There will there will probably be some more hiccups defensively before it gets to the to the point that we expect it to be. But you're seeing the potential of that that um, Del Demp saw and that Alvin Gentry saw before the season with this group on the defensive end. Um, and I think it gets better from here. But I don't think there's been a magic switch. I think it's it's just guys are starting to see that if they stick to what they're supposed to do. And I think inserting West was important, but he's not the he wasn't the key. Um, it's just it's a group it's a group mentality and part of it was Anthony Davis needed to get his energy up and he's but Drew Holiday's played the same defense from game one to game 13 you know Etuan Moore is not going to change defensively um, who he is it was really just you had those injuries you had this new group picking up different roles and now it's starting to settle some and the schedule is starting to become a little bit more favorable I think they have the potential to be even better than this defensively on a night-to-night basis um, but there's no, yeah, there's been no magic bullet. All right, let's uh, get close to wrapping up. Uh, we've got a couple more questions. We'll we'll get through them. Ali, first of all, who do you stick Drew Holiday on against Minnesota? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think you've got to go with Derrick Rose simply because he's had a couple of really outstanding games over the last few weeks, and I know that Minnesota won tonight, and I. I kind of glanced at the box score, and he had another nice game. So I think you got to put him on Derrick Rose. And then um, I know Jeff Teague is back, but I think it's more important to stop basically one of their scores and just let Cat th- or Anthony Davidson handle Cat. And so you're co- kind of covering your bases there. All right, that was from Clint White. He also said, can we swap Okafors at Okafors? Sorry, uh, and I, I wish we could, but I think that that ship has sailed. Uh, let's go over to Grub. Obviously, we've talked a good bit about trade. We've got a lot of questions from Waka Waka Wakanda, Ron Ash, and Hot Pelicans Takes. They say, who should Dell Demps be monitoring as a potential uh, trade partner? With the Pels open to trading Nico, what big name players should we keep our eyes on? Uh, Bradley Beal was one that came up in his mentions. And the final one is, how soon do you think the Dell will attempt to swing a trade for a star or a good wing? Here are some of the names I came up with. 
Ishmith, Mios, Beverly, uh, Thomas Sadoransky, possibly TJ Warren's, uh, although I think it would take two first round picks. They really like him and he's a building block there. He's only 25, I think. CJ Miles is a dispensable player in Toronto. We saw him uh, up close and personal tonight. And Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Grub, do you have your eye on any specific players? I like the role players that you're talking about. I don't think the Pelicans should be going all in for a star. Um, you know, where, who, who's going to lose out? You know, who are you giving away? I don't think the Pelicans are, are seeking to get rid of Nico. Um, I can't believe that that would be the case. Now, obviously, he's in the, the last year that, of his contract, and he has the highest um, um, potential return, I would imagine, from the, from, from the people who would be eligible to be traded. But considering that he hasn't even been with the team a year and they really don't know what the potential of this is, I think Dell is just doing due diligence at this point with some of those bigger names like a Jimmy Butler. You have to make the phone calls. You, you, you're you're derelict in duties if you're not just at least communicating with people when you know that players are available because you want to gauge what are my players worth? What are your what do you think your players are worth? And I think that's a lot of what's going on right now. I think folks just need to be kind of calm and patient and not worry about you know, Bradley Beal or John Wall or any of those kind of names, because you have, like, like we've kept, continued to say, the top seven on this roster can compete with anybody. It's just filling out those roles and understanding that those other guys can be consistent enough on a night-to-night basis. But going after another star at this point just seems like a short-sighted move um, for a team that's, that can't keep changing its core every few months. You can't have Alvin Gentry trying to coach a completely different team every half season and think that you're going to get continued success. It feels like you're trying to chase something, and that's not going to build any kind of lasting success as a team. Yeah, at some point you got to decide who you are, who you're sticking with, and see if it works. And we and they haven't this group has not done that yet. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure that another name will enter this conversation, but we won't know that name until teams really start to separate themselves uh, as lottery dwellers and as contenders. As that kind of starts to break apart, the picture will become clearer. Kevin, let's end it on this. This is from our friend at Nola Pelicans Reddit. He says, my arms are stuck in the air from cheering for Drew. How do I get them down? Uh, Watch some Solomon Hill highlights. (laughs) <laughs> um, let, me, let me ask one question real quick uh just because i thought of this um what do you guys think um uh, happens in denver i mean not that i think denver would make a trade with us but i always i liked monty morris coming into last season like when they got him i thought he was going to be a decent player and he's been playing very well and then you're going to see soon isaiah thomas comes into the picture there once he's healthy so do you think there's any possibility that they would move him, not necessarily to us, but to anybody else? Or would he be a player that you would be interested in? The guy I've always had my eye on is Malik Beasley. Uh, he's a guy who's been getting a bit more run this season. Mm. I think he's very similar to an Etwan Moore type mold. He's a three and D type player. He's very athletic, uh, versatile, a try hard type guy. Went to Florida State. Uh, he was very productive there in in a short time. Uh, he's somebody who's going to be buried on the bench because you mentioned Isaiah Thomas, but Will Barton is going to be on his way back, I think, in a month or so. So there's yeah. just not going to be any minutes to go around. All these guys are signed up long term. In addition, uh, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, they're not going anywhere. There's just no place for for Malik Beasley on this team. Uh, and they've got so many other players coming into the lineup. Trey Lyles has been really good. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be in the mix uh, towards the end of the season, early on next season. Of course, you still have Paul Millsap, Tyler Lydon, Nikola uh, Jokic. There's just not space for him in this lineup. You also uh, mentioned Monte Morris. Uh, Ali, who do you have your eye on? I just I would love to get him, Kevin. I, I watched a little bit of the game where he had ten assists and no turnovers. And I heard some stat that Monte Morris has had like what is it, like four turnovers since the season starts? Something ridiculous. So yeah, I would love for him to be our backup point guard. But that said, there's no way they give him up. Especially when you look at how they don't have a legitimate point guard as a starter. So I think that's a nice option for them off the bench, who maybe eventually will start stealing some minutes to close out games even for him. You know, I wouldn't be surprised because, as we know, usually close games kind of get tight and the offenses slow down, so you can't rely on that pace. And Denver, over the years, hasn't really fared well in close games. So if I'm them, I don't let him go at all, but I would love him. 
Yeah, if he continues being productive, I would think Isaiah Thomas would be the the moving piece there because Monte Morris is on such a manageable contract right now. Uh, David, we've got a pretty cool announcement from you. Of course, you can follow these guys at Kevin B for Bounce, at Ali Cosell, and at DM Grub. You've got something slated tomorrow morning, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of becoming a little bit of a uh, a movement, a little cultural phenomenon. Um, you know. This was this week was the uh, twenty well this past week was the twenty fifth anniversary of the Wu Tang Clan's uh, debut album into the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers and um, it just felt like to me that it was just right that it kind of mixed with Drew Holiday and you know the headband wearing um, karate references that folks have been making all season towards him and it just needed things to kind of capture the imagination and Drew Tang Clan kind of just fell in for me and I loved the woo. And over the last two years, I've become a full on Drew Holiday convert. And um, he's, you know, entered into the the imagination, I think of New Orleans uh, fans in a way that I don't think any of us predicted when he first arrived, uh, you know, six years ago now, seven years ago, and uh, six years ago. So um, yeah, I, I, just, I think it's really exciting. Um, it, it captures my love of music and my love of basketball. And I think people are looking for another thing to rally around with this team, and the Drew Tang clan just might be it. It's kind of interesting right now. Drew Holiday might not make the all-star team in the Western Conference. He probably won't, but he might still make third-team All-NBA. Uh, he's been that good early on in this season. Ali, you've got a great piece uh, today on thebirdrights.com talking a bit about Drew Holiday. Why don't you tell our listeners a bit about that? Oh, I don't need to talk about it. I mean, we all know Drew Holiday is the best defender in the NBA right now. So that's all it is. It's just uh, Drew Holiday basically. And, and I was thinking of uh, um, what was the name of that movie where they stole the line for the video game Doom, where basically I'll swallow your soul. And so when I saw Drew Holiday hounding the hell out of everybody over the past few games, somehow that popped into my head. So I just turned it into a title. Then I decided to look up to see how he's fared against uh, all the all the guys that he's primarily guarded in the first 12 games of the season. And you know what? He's shut them down. I know that's not a surprise to any one of us, but I think it's pretty impressive that he's pretty much held the competition, which includes seven of the top 20 scores in the NBA right now, to a combined 31% field goal percentage. That's just outstanding. So if, if this doesn't basically get him noticed, because voters notice you what you do early, and that way you're kind of in the news for the rest of the season. If this doesn't get him at least in the conversation for defensive player of the year, I'm going to move for some kind of recount. <laughs> and that's very topical as I sit in Florida right now. Uh, by the way, I think the Swallow Your Soul reference was one of my favorite childhood movies, uh, Army of Darkness. Uh, if anybody is a fan of the Evil Dead movies, uh, I think that might have been what you were referencing, but uh, I'm not quite yeah, sure. Yeah, it was the second one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Kevin, do you want to wrap this up for us, bud? Uh, sure. I got a new dog and he's awesome. Um, <laughs> also, I, uh, I guess you could go back because this pretty, uh, relative to what we've been talking about today. I wrote an article about Wesley Johnson being in the starting lineup and how that, you know, affects things defensively and, uh, how it makes life easier for Etwan and, and, you know, I didn't use the term in there, which I would have thought of it earlier, but, you know, trickle down defend economics or whatever. Uh, by, you know, letting more guard a two and Wesley guard a three. Um, those things uh, are there. So that, that article is there. And then, I don't know, I'll start on something soon tomorrow or something I might look into seeing how we can improve that seventh and eighth spot. I'm in full-on agreement with Grub that there is no need to chase stars, that we just need to solidify the last few spots in that room and uh, we'll be a force to reckon with because we have two stars and Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday and we have as I've said many times, if there was role player all star game, Nico and Randall would start in it. So we don't really need, um, you know, we don't need that big name, even though people keep trying to say that we do. Um, I don't think, I think, you know, maybe the concern is you have to convince Anthony Davis that you don't need that big name. But in reality, we really don't with the way this team is structured and the roster we have now. We just need a couple more serviceable pieces in the seventh and eighth spot. I mean, the, eighth and ninth spot in the rotation and we'll be solid. 
Amen to that. Anthony Davis just told NBA TV this was a big statement game for for us, and that's exactly what it was. Uh, the Pelicans have shown, if nothing else, uh, barring injuries or any major uh, unforeseen maladies like that, that they are a contender in the NBA, not necessarily to Golden State, but uh, against anybody else. I think they've made it clear that they play their style of basketball and they score at will. And defensively, when they are locked in, as Scrub talked about early, earlier, when they are engaged defensively for a full 48 minutes, uh, they can shut down the fourth best off in the NBA. So there's nowhere to go but up for our Pels right now. Uh, again, you're listening to the Bird Calls podcast. Do us a favor, retweet this episode. You know, rate us on iTunes, subscribe, tell your friends, spread the word. We kind of rely on uh, word of mouth right now. So anything you guys can do to help us, we certainly appreciate it. For myself, I'm Preston Ellis, Ali Cosell, David Grubb, Kevin Berrios. Big win tonight. Let's keep it rolling. Let's go, Pels. Thank you for listening to Do You Believe in Magic on the Off the Glass, Another Manette, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi! So, about the kitchen. Turns out, when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.